turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft. And this is The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to The Dan Proft Show. I'm John Hinderocker from Powerline filling in for Dan tonight. And we are pleased to be joined now by James Bovard. Uh, Jim is the author of 10 books. He's a member of the USA Today Board of Contributors, a frequent contributor to The Hill, and a contributing editor for The American Conservative. Jim, thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me back on. Jim, I want to start by talking to you about a piece that you have got um, in the uh, American Institute for Economic Research. And it's titled, uh, Sovereignty Still Rests with the People, Not Congress. And you make some really basic points in this in this article, uh, taking off from something that happened during the uh, impeachment of uh, former President Donald Trump. Describe that uh, to our listeners, if you would. Well, it's, um, it's sort of hard to get a handle on that impeachment process because you're kind of like peeling an onion with so many different layers of nonsense. Uh, but but watching the um, the uh, floor the floor action on, uh, in the Senate on Thursday, I saw Congressman Jamie Raskin. He was talking about how Congress had all this power, and he was uh, he, he leads in there. He talks about Abraham Lincoln and the Declaration of the Independence, and then he quotes uh, the first sentence of the Constitution, and then he says, uh, and then he announces that the sovereign power of the people flowed right into Congress, and. This is why apparently Congress has absolute power and why Congress can do whatever it wants and why we don't need to worry about elective dictatorship because that's what the founding fathers wanted. Uh, and it was, it, it was an absolute travesty of, of, um, of American values and, uh, and the history of American uh, constitutional uh, debates. Uh, but it's, it's a kind of hokum that's just thrown out so commonly in Washington that people don't even notice. It's like a dog bites man story. And, and Jim, can I, can I interrupt you just for a moment there? Because what's going on here, uh, you know, Jamie uh, Raskin, a uh, congressman, um, is being hailed for this speech as uh, as a public intellectual, you know, as an um, oh, yeah. ex- expositor of the Constitution. And people like Congressman Dean Phillips, who's a complete nobody, uh, described him as America's professor. So it's not like this is a slip of the tongue. You know, this this claim that the sovereign power of the people has all been given to Congress under the Constitution flowed right into Congress. This is something that's being hailed as a brilliant insight uh, by the Democrats. Yeah, and I was, you know, uh, uh, I was watching it and I was trying so hard to have new respect for Congress, but, you know, I saw that line and I just lost it. So, but, and it was, it's a funny part of the speech. It's on uh, Thursday afternoon. If people want to go back and look at the tapes, uh, 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 Congressman Raskin is going, comprehensive, vast powers that all of you 
uh, know so well. And that's all of us. The power comes to all of us. And it's like it makes Congress sound like a wonderful club, but you and I are not in it. Yeah, we had some power once, but we gave it to them. That's it's kind of like uh, yeah, it's kind of well, like Jean Jacques Rousseau, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know. yes, yes. <laughs> uh, maybe with a little bit of Thomas Hobbes thrown in, as far as you know. Well, you know, the sovereignty is absolute because otherwise you'd have chaos. Uh, and it's, it, but it's typical of how the, the uh, how the people who the media thinks are the smartest people in Congress. This is how they talk in public. Good Lord knows what they say behind closed doors. And so let's talk a little bit about the consequences of, of this. And as you say, Jim, it's kind of a it's kind of a dog bites man story. I mean, the lust for power among politicians is not exactly a new phenomenon, right? But but let's talk about the practical implications. I mean, the Constitution is intended to describe a government of of limited and delegated powers, and that has just about gone out the window. Oh, uh, absolutely. And it's and to see the strutting in the House and the Senate about all the power they have. I mean, for instance, I mean, uh, it just it was only two months ago that Congress passed a uh, bill that was almost 6,000 pages long, spending $2 trillion, and the members of Congress did not bother reading it before they passed it because that was their right, because they were elected, so they have this right to spend trillions of dollars without even knowing what they're doing. But since they were... Um, um, it's almost as if they think they have holy power, uh, like they've been sainted. But that was uh, that was kind of the storyline which came out after January 6th, when a number of members of Congress were saying that their holy space, their sacred space, had been violated. And, and I'm thinking, uh, if you're if we're talking about sacred space, how about the uh, the private homes that get banged up by SWAT teams that Congress finances? But that's a different subject. Well, it's not completely different. How about all the the stores and shops and so on, as well as homes owned by people in the city of Minneapolis, for example, two miles of which were burned down by rioters? Uh, you know, the, the that was actually encouraged, encouraged by a lot of government officials, including Kamala Harris, who who helped to bail out some of the arsonists. Uh, and and yet, if anybody penetrates their inner sanctum, oh my gosh, you know, that's a completely yeah. different story. Yeah, it's it's very telling to see how the Washington media has portrayed January sixth. I mean, uh, and you have and you have uh, federal judges and prosecutors basically wanting to wreck the lives of anyone who stepped into the Capitol. Uh, you know, there was a, a, a minority of folks that day who assaulted police, and I'm all in favor of prosecuting them to the full extent of the law. But you had uh, you had a lot more people who just kind of wandered in there like tourists and, and kind of gawked and took their photos and gee whiz and. There, there was at least there was at least one entrance, Jim. You see, you can see this on video, where for inexplicable reasons, I don't know why, but there was an entrance where the guards were just kind of waving people in. You know, come on in, folks, and they're they're walking in and they're staying between the rope lines as they go yeah. in, and they've got their cameras like tourists. And they're taking pictures. So yeah, there are some people who absolutely should be arrested, prosecuted, convicted, and jailed. But there's a lot of other people who just, as you say, kind of wandered in. Right, but and it, it's it's uh, appalling to me to see the enthusiasm for you know throwing uh, charging everybody with sedition or conspiracy to overthrow the government or other charges. And I'm thinking, you know, look, I mean, and a lot of what was said was simply redneck bluster. I mean, you've got all these um, you have all these editorial writers who went to the North, to the Ivy League schools who never lived in the mountains of Virginia and didn't hear like this is how rednecks talk, you know. 
I mean, you know, they're always making empty threats. And that's like, uh, but to see how this is being framed, and now you've got Nancy Pelosi saying we've got to have a 9-11 type commission to find the truth. I mean, that's a really bad model because the uh, first 9-11 commission didn't find much truth. So, Well, the whole thing in some ways is kind of ridiculous. But, but it does exemplify the point that you make in this piece, which is, the fact that the the members of Congress, House and Senate alike, uh, do not view themselves as fellow citizens with the rest of us who have been chosen temporarily to represent their constituents in Washington. They really do see themselves as the elect and as as members of a class that, as you said earlier, you and I, unfortunately, just are not members of. Yeah, and and so much of that swagger has come out since January 6th. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was striking to – it's almost as if we're supposed to assume that any vague threat to congressmen is worse than anything the government could do to us. Uh, but there is an awful lot of Americans whose lives have been ravaged by Congress, things that Congress did or Congress financed, and yet that doesn't count because uh, they are the will of the people. And it's just – there is so much smoke blown um, towards congressmen, and they get this sense, and – but there's almost no uh, decency as far as the Constitution because a Bill of Rights had all these do not enter signs of property rights, due process, Second Amendment, firearms, uh, freedom of speech. Uh, Congress, uh, uh, you know, especially this year, Congress has been showing their contempt for that. It's like, no, no, th- you know, these are special times. But it's the same thing that we've heard in the past from Congress. And I'm hoping that the latest episode will uh, further undermine people's trust in Congress. Well, I certainly hope so. And as you say, uh, not only has you know the, the Second Amendment has been under siege for a long time, right? Even more so today, uh, when people need it the most. But the First Amendment—I mean, the open hostility uh, oh. toward the freedom of speech of anybody who's not part of their club—I I, I think is uh, frightening. Yes, and this is part of uh, my concern about how they're going to try to exploit the January 6th, uh, what happened, and they're going to try to have a say, well, we've got to ban extremism, we've got to have a new definition of domestic terrorism, and, uh, you know, it, this is something which can go after free speech real fast, and there have been various times in the past where I've written things where I was denounced for, and it's like, uh, okay, fine, you know, I'm used to that, but if you have federal charges all of a sudden it's kind of like well that gets, you know that gets that gets kind of dicier so uh but but the s- systemic intolerance and the hatred there's just so much hatred at this point in dc and it's being fueled by um you know major parties and major players uh, unfortunately that that is sad but true we are talking with james bovard we're going to have more uh with uh, with james right after these uh, messages Sharpen your pencils. Class is in session with Professor Dan Proft and the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. We are talking with uh, Jim Bovard. And Jim, uh, for this segment, I want to I want to change the topic uh, to something that it, that is really close to my heart, and that is the destructive role that the teachers' unions have long played in our political life. And I want to talk in particular about your piece at the uh, American Conservative 
which is titled Teachers Unions Have Always Been Terrible. Uh, Tell our listeners what that's all about. Well, this is uh, pulling from some pieces that I've done actually over the last 40 years on some of the horrendous abuses that uh, the uh, National Education Association and uh, American Federation of Teachers have done. Folks don't realize how the teachers have been in the forefront of lowering educational standards. Uh, there was uh, there was the uh, National Education Association was saying 40 years ago that the that back to basics was basically a right wing conspiracy, and it's like um, reading standards have fallen so much in schools in spite of a huge amount of increase in spending. And part of the reason things have gone down is because the teacher unions have pushed to have uh, lower standards, and teacher unions have also pushed a huge amount of um, you know, propaganda in the schools. So instead of spending more time on reading and math, we're having death education or climate education or, you know, gender education. Um, but um, it's worked out very badly, and it's part of the reason American schools are falling further and further behind other parts of the world. Yeah, as you say, the, the teachers' unions have been a terrible force for, for a long, long time, and, and there's been no accountability you know, in my state, Minnesota, the organization that I run, a think tank called Center of the American Experiment, we recently put out a report that, that talked about how spending on K-12 through education has skyrocketed for decades, higher, 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 in response to these endless demands of the teachers' union, uh, while results have slipped lower, lower, lower. And, and, and why is it, Jim, do you think that there is so little accountability in, in public education? Well, uh, there's a number of reasons. First of all, it's a government program, and it's, they're very hard to make accountable. But what you've had is that the teacher unions have basically bought the politicians, so the politicians have handed control of the schools to the teacher unions. And there's, uh, you know, and um, thanks to that, we have no fault teaching. It doesn't matter what happens. It's never the fault of the teacher. The answer is to uh, spend more money, as you said. Uh, but there's also uh, teacher unions have become accustomed to just demonizing anybody who doesn't um, kowtow to their demands. I mean, you had the Chicago teacher unions um, a couple months ago saying that the push to reopen schools is based on sexism and racism. And it's like, uh, well, no, actually it's based on science because you look at the Catholic schools and they're reopening and they're doing fine in most places. But you have, I mean, this is one of the most brazen power abuses in recent American history, you have a union who's basically flexing its muscles, and and as a result, you've got a huge increase in students becoming uh, more ignorant. And uh, um, the thing we're always hearing about here in Maryland, for instance, is we've got to raise property taxes and spend more money to close the achievement gap. But uh, this pandemic shutdown has uh, boosted the number of black and Hispanic students failing in schools by 500%. Uh, but you know it doesn't matter because teachers feel entitled to a zero risk, a zero risk entitlement and full pay, um, unlike a lot of other American workers, like grocery store workers. So, so it seems to me, Jim, that one possible silver lining of this whole COVID shutdown fiasco uh, is that people, some people at least, are finally starting to catch on to the teachers' unions. I think in a lot of places around the country. Parents, in particular, are paying attention, and parents want the schools to open for a lot of reasons, uh, but primarily because remote learning has turned out to be a disaster, as, as you just said. I mean, it, it varies from place to place, but something like a third of all the kids just don't do it. 
you know, they never show up. They never check in. They don't take a test. They don't complete an assignment. They're just gone. And and, and naturally, it's going to be the kids who are most at risk, uh, who are most likely just to drop out when when school becomes uh, remote. So so I think parents across the country are finally catching on to the fact that, you know, here we have the World Health Organization, we have CDC saying, no, no, schools should open. In Europe, the schools are reopening. Uh, as you said, the Catholic schools, private schools reopening. And yet the public schools are just willfully uh, out of business as a result of the demands of the teachers' union. And, and do you yeah. think parents are finally starting to catch on? Uh, some are. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if it's enough, but I mean, this is brazen hostage taking. But it's the same thing the teacher unions have done sporadically over, you know, for 40 years. Uh, but there's such an adverse impact, and this is this is a uh, the, uh, the school shutdown is a major reason why so many women have left the workforce because you know they got to stay home and take care of the kids. Uh, but there, there's such an entitlement mentality by so many of the teacher activists as far as like, you know, any teacher is like, should, it's sort of like the members of Congress. Every teacher should be considered holy and not exposed to any risk. But, you know, uh, there was a wonderful saying um, saying by, um, by Henry Thoreau that um, saying that uh, Henry Thoreau said a man sits as many risks as he runs. And part of my part of what's so bad about this is that the teachers are acting like shutting down the schools has no adverse impact. Uh, but you know, this is blighting people's lives. You've got a huge increase in uh, young people committing suicide, um, a huge increase in depression, and you know, this this is a lost year that a lot of these kids will never get back. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. Now, again, if we're looking for a silver lining. Uh, one thing that has happened is that a lot of parents have been forced to start thinking about alternatives to the public schools, which are just not serving their kids. And so we have seen a real increase in uh, in charter school enrollment, private school enrollment, homeschooling. And and what do you think? I mean, th- th- this could have some positive long-term benefits if, if parents really start to think seriously about what the alternatives to these failing public schools could be. I agree. I mean, uh that is one of the brightest rays of hope from this entire pandemic. Um, folks, uh, parents are waking up. Parents need to recognize, parents, parents are recognizing that they can't trust the government for their own children's mental growth. And um, having parents take more responsibility for that would be a huge plus. I mean, not only that, but so much of what the kids are forced to read in school is this. It's no wonder kids hate reading. I mean, it's sort of like sort of like Mark Twain's story in The Jumping Frog. We had to spend six weeks on that. It's like I never wanted to read Mark Twain again until I left school and then found out, oh, Mark Twain's wonderful. But, you know, the things that you read in school is like being beaten over your head. Well, it's only getting worse, too, Jim. I mean, I mean, I'm sure Mark Twain is one of the better things surviving in the public schools now. You know, they're having him read all kinds of tendentious nonsense. Oh. It's all race, class, gender, just horrible stuff, you know, that, among other things, is just boring. Yes, boring is the most important thing. I mean, I think back to my, my years in public schools, they were, most, uh, they were the most brain-numbing experience of my life. Um, and during that time, I lost my joy of reading. As soon as I graduated, the joy of reading came back. So, um, I mean, that's part of the reason why I'm skeptical about government schools and government unions. Well, let's hope that as more parents explore options and actually take advantage of alternatives to to the public schools, one consequence of that ought to be growth in the in the school choice movement. 
you know, as, as, as parents see other parents pursuing different alternatives, I, I think it's going to be hard for the teachers' unions to forever block uh, real meaningful school choice, especially in urban areas. We're up against a break here, Jim. Uh, Jim Bovard, thank you so much for being on the program. We'll be back with more after this. It's a nice day to start again. Come on, it's a nice day for a white wedding. Exposing political fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show.